Self-pity. It's something I've been struggling with my whole life. When I quit my career, the one I worked so hard to build for decades, I fell into a pit of self-pity. I felt like, like a failure and that I had lost something I shouldn't have let go. I second-guessed myself with all the choices I had made. I felt ashamed that I was suffering from burnout and fatigued. I felt sorry for myself. The words of my grandmother rang in my ears, stop feeling sorry for yourself, it's ugly. I agreed, it was ugly. Ugly crying, ugly self-talk, ugly everything. This combination of thoughts and feelings culminated in feelings of being unworthy of a good life because in my mind I hadn't earned it and worthless as a person, a failure in the business world. It is a basic human condition to feel sorry for ourselves once in a while. We have all been there. I don't know about you, but I have had many a good cry feeling sorry for myself. But it is the action you take after that that really matters. In this episode, we will discuss this, and at the end, we will go over some steps you can take to get out of the self-pity spiral and retrain your mind to be more self-compassionate. This is the You Don't Own Me podcast, and I'm Juliana J. First off, our relationship to self-pity is mainly driven by societal constructs, shame, and how we've been taught to view self-pity. We often hear things like, he's wallowing in self-pity, stop feeling sorry for yourself, it's unattractive, as my grandmother used to say. For some reason, these societal constructs have bled over into our ideas of self-compassion, and we often confuse the two. While we all experience self-pity, it's important to recognize it, be aware of it, and move past it when it happens. So just for some clarity, according to the dictionary, self-pity is excessive self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. Whereas self-compassion is described as a way of relating to oneself with kindness, warmth, understanding, especially when suffering, failing, or feeling inadequate. We sometimes think that self-compassion is self-indulgence, but they're not the same. Self-compassion is a way you can treat yourself throughout your entire life. It's a constant. It's always there. And self-indulgence is fleeting. It comes and goes. You might buy yourself something very extravagant as a self-indulgent act, but then that act is over. Whereas self-compassion can be a way you treat yourself for your lifetime. One thing to get straight is self-pity is intimately tied to shame. So we can't talk about self-pity without talking about shame. Shame wants us to be small, silent. We feel uniquely alone in shame. We may self-criticize. We may be more critical of ourselves than we are of others. Self-compassion is the opposite of shame. Now remember, shame is a component of self-pity. It needs to be there for self-pity. Self-compassion is the opposite of shame. Research shows that people that write about an experience to which they felt shame, but they write about it through a lens of self-compassion, they are able to get over things more easily. 
This means when they're writing, they're concentrating on the fact that they're humans, that humans make mistakes, that as a consequence, they are not alone in this experience because there are many, many other humans out there who have made the same mistakes or will make the same mistakes or something very, very similar. They realize they aren't the only one who has ever had the experience. They aren't the only one who has ever fired or dumped or been yelled at or made a mistake. It happens to all of us. In changing this perspective, so you're not thinking of it as a your unique experience, you're thinking of it as part of the human experience to which you are part of, you realize it's just a condition of being human and it's not necessarily specifically and only about you. It's just about living here on earth. You know, what is self-compassion then? It is it possible to have self-compassion without self-pity? Yes, it is. Being kind to yourself can simply be a way of being, not something you do only when bad things are happening or something you feel shame about, but it's just a way you treat yourself at all times. Self-pity is a noun. It's a thing. Self-compassion is an action. It's something that you do. So you can end up really deep in self-pity simply because you don't have an action to move out of it. It's just a state of being. Applying self-compassion when you feel self-pity is a way out of those feelings of shame that are really what's making up the pity. Here are two expressions of self-compassion. One is accepting compassion. That means you accept yourself. You accept all the negative things that you've ever done, all of the things that have went wrong, all of the mistakes, and you're nurturing and kind to yourself, treating yourself like you would treat a friend or a loved one rather than being critical to yourself when things go wrong. It's just a way of accepting all of who you are. Self-parenting compassion is a way to reparent yourself, to protect yourself. In order to protect yourself, you do things like you have boundaries, you speak up for injustice, providing for yourself, doing what you need to do to be happy, finding ways to protect yourself from harm or situations that aren't favorable, learning about who you are and what you need understanding that needs change and therefore sometimes boundaries change. Compassion is a motivation to alleviate suffering. We use it as a tool to alleviate suffering that we're feeling. So in other words, self-compassion is just being good to yourself. It doesn't have to be tied to only when you're suffering. As I said, it can just be your way of life that you apply all the time to yourself. But it really comes into play when you when something goes wrong or uh, you're upset about something. Why is it so hard to give yourself compassion? What are the outcomes when you refuse to treat yourself with compassion? And what are the myths we tell ourselves about self-compassion? These types of expressions that I listed above accepting yourself and self-parenting compassion need to be balanced within a person. It is important not to be too rigid in your reparenting of yourself. 
just like the typical parenting model, there needs to be boundaries, but also room to grow and learn. Boundaries change when things change. You know, the boundary you have for a five-year-old might be different than the one your 15-year-old has. Things change. Your life changes. There is also a difference between accepting yourself and making excuses for your bad behavior. Accepting yourself means that you accept yourself, flaws and all. Even when you mess up, you don't hate yourself for it. You take action to fix things when needed. Accepting blame is a lifelong struggle for all of us. It's hard to realize we make mistakes. Sometimes we really struggle with that, but it is necessary to truly understand self-compassion. If you can't accept your mistakes or struggles or things that went wrong, it's very hard to understand self-compassion. Being able to recognize a mistake and still find compassion, compassion for yourself is an art we can all master. It just takes a little work. And we'll talk about those steps um, towards the end of this podcast. Often society makes us feel that we have to be on one side or the other. Either we acknowledge we messed up and we have deep shame or we don't acknowledge we messed up and we justify our behavior and call that self-compassion. Neither of these things are healthy or reality. You often see people who are in the wrong somehow, but they have justified their behavior and how they justify their behavior, they couch it as self-compassion when really it's just not acknowledging that they've played a role. Self-compassion is not justifying bad behavior or acknowledging mistakes, but realizing we are only human and, of course, we're going to make mistakes. It's taking steps to fix the mistakes if it's possible. It's saying you're sorry when you need to say you're sorry. Self-compassion is hard for most of us. We are conditioned to think that caring for ourselves is a weakness. Studies show that most people are compassionate to others, but not to themselves. In many cultures, we are raised to have compassion towards others, but not for ourselves. We are raised to believe that it's selfish if we care about ourselves. And that is not true. If we can't care about ourselves, it's really hard to care about others. Or sometimes people care so much about others, they don't give any care to themselves, and that can lead to Burnout. Burnout happens when someone is only able to be compassionate to others, but not to themselves. So they don't have boundaries. Uh, they don't take care of themselves when they need to. They're too busy doing everything for everyone all the time. We also think self-compassion is weak, but research says otherwise. What if we can give compassion to ourselves? What would that look like? We'd be more resilient. We'd be able to get over things more easily. We would learn more from the things that we do, and we would have a better self-outlook. We'd have a better outlook on the future, and we'd feel better about ourselves. Soldiers who are able to express self-compassion are less likely to have PTSD. People achieve more and allow when they allow themselves to make mistakes and learn. Sometimes we are taught that self-care Compassion will undermine our motivation, that we'll become lazy if we aren't using fear or feelings of failure to drive us forward. 
Research is very clear that the opposite is actually true. When we can see failure as a learning experience rather than feeling shame, we provide ourselves a space of self-compassion where we view mistakes as learning tools and not defining characteristics of who we are. Trial and error allows us to feel that failure is a part of life. It's part of the human experience we all share, and we can all learn from it. We tend not to try new things or experience new things we might otherwise want to. We tend to be afraid of being a newbie at something because we have been taught to feel like failure is not a part of life and trying and learning is not a part of life when actually in reality, that's how everyone learns everything. Self-compassion provides safety to learn and grow. If you're not willing to experience new things, you're shutting off all these opportunities to yourself, including the opportunity to learn. Our misgivings are related to shame because we feel that people won't like us if we aren't perfect all the time. If we have self-compassion, we cut through that mindset and we're more resilient as a consequence. We don't need people to be constantly affirming us anymore. We have resilience and we feel more grounded in who we are. We're not always seeking that from the outside world. Uh, we don't always think if we ha- if we do something wrong and we're not perfect all the time, everyone's going to hate us. You know, biologically, we are using a fear model with ourselves. When we are afraid, we go into this defensive mode, meaning if I make a mistake, I'm threatened. But if my friend makes the same mistake, that's okay. I don't feel threatened by that. We turn our defense mode inward to ourselves instead of using the defense mode of fight or flight. When bad situations occur, we're actually turning it inward on ourselves. We're using this fear model to be in defense mode so that we don't make mistakes and we freeze and we get stuck and we're isolated or we, we tear ourselves down. We are often not as critical with others because we find it easier to care for others than it is to care for ourselves. So whereas we've turned this fight or flight inward on ourselves and we make a mistake, but then our friend makes exactly the same mistake, we are perceiving those two mistakes completely differently. Our friend may get all this compassion from us, but if I make the mistake, I'm self-critical. You know, that's what I'm um, talking about. We just turn that inward. And we become aggressive with ourselves when we make a mistake rather than compassionate. Instead of having this self-critical perspective, when we feel that happening, you make a mistake, you've started to be self-critical, you stop, you notice that you are being self-critical and that is coming from inside of you. It's that defense mode turned inward. It's not coming from the outside. Then you can say no to yourself. I don't do this anymore and break the pattern and replace it with what would be something more compassionate to think. It takes some finesse and some time, but it's really an exercise worth doing. I want to also impress on you that if a person is raised with an insecure attachment, 
They feel that their needs aren't worthy of being met. This can be critical parents, teachers, critical authority figures in their lives. Early trauma history is another reason. Parents are supposed, and caregivers are supposed to keep us safe. But if they don't, when we're little, the signals get crossed. Being cared for and being threatened get mixed up. And as a consequence, self-care can kind of feel scary. And this is where you really have to kind of listen to yourself. Because self-care could feel triggering to some people depending upon their past trauma. And realizing that within yourself, that it's because those signals got mixed up. You know, this person that was supposed to take care of you and keep you from harm uh, didn't do that or expected you to be the one that sues yourself. And in doing so, those signals get crossed. And so being cared for can be just as scary as something threatening. I want to just say a few words about shame. Shame is unpleasant. Being devalued by a group is very hard. We feel shame for no reason. Shame is mostly about social devaluation. Let me say that again. Shame is mostly about social devaluation. It's about what you think other people think of you. Research on shame has connected family history. So if your family history has always been critical or judgmental about a certain thing, and you either are that thing or do that thing or enjoy that thing or whatever it is, you can feel all this shame about it because you know your family wouldn't approve. So um, this would apply to a lot of lifestyle choices people have, um, being queer. Um, it can uh, be having a job that nobody else in the family has and they when they have expectations, you'll be an engineer, but you're going to be a photographer or something like that. You know, it's going against your, these family belief systems or values where the family have been critical about or are judgmental about. And so you feel shame towards who you are as a human being simply because you're embodying that thing that they're criticizing, if that makes sense. We are not born into shame. We are born with the capacity for shame, but we're not born with shame. When we internalize messaging that we are somehow not worthy, it leads to shame. We feel prone to feelings of shame. Shame is not our fault. Shame is a result of how parents, caregivers, and the culture has treated us. Exactly what I was saying about the family perspectives. So shame, we aren't born with that. We cultivate it from what we learn as children. Shame eventually equals self-hatred. Because if you feel ashamed of who you are, it's very hard to love yourself. But one of the things you might experience is anger can be a mechanism to avoid shame and self-hatred. When you're angry, your anger will override the sense of shame. 
about something. Maybe something didn't work out. Maybe somebody said something that made you feel inadequate. Whatever the situation may be, you know, maybe somebody cut you off in traffic. That immediate anger circumvents your feelings of shame because shame has become this running force in your life. You know, if you're feeling inadequate, you have self-hatred, you have a lot of shame. So anger will circumvent that. So you don't have to feel the shame because shame's very painful, you know? So you get angry at everything instead of thinking like, you know, oh, was it my driving that caused that? You immediately get angry at the other person. You know, you're not looking at the situation outside of yourself. You're trying to stay away from your shame. So that's how you're perceiving things that happen around you. You're not perceiving them as things happening outside of you. Here is a fun fact. You can feel ashamed of your own shame. Say, for example, and I can relate to this very easily, um, if your lifestyle is not uh, the accepted model, you grow up with a sense of shame, right? And then you grow up and you go to college or whatever, and you find your people, and then you can feel ashamed that you're ashamed of who you are because your people are not necessarily ashamed of it. In fact, they are celebrating it, something like that. Guilt is a feeling that you have when you feel bad about something that happened and you're working to repair it. So when you feel guilty, you feel like, oh gosh, I really messed up. You know, I really messed up at work. I need to go fix that. Shame is feeling bad about yourself. It's self-focused belief that directly affects your feelings of worth. So when you feel guilty about something, oh, I feel really bad. I did that. I need to go fix it. That's different. When you feel shame, shame is a feeling about self. It's self-focused. You know, your guilt can be about something that happened. That's not necessarily yourself. That's this thing that happened. But shame is turned inward. It's self-focused. It directly affects your feelings of self-worth. Shame doesn't have to be part of you. If you cultivate a deep sense of shame, you're cultivating a deep sense of unworthiness. And that has to do with how other, how you believe others see you. It's born out of being judged and criticized. I am ashamed of myself, not of the things that I did. You are hyper-focused on imagining what other people think of everything you do. You imagine being judged and criticized all the time for everything you do and that people are just hyper vigilant at watching your every move and criticizing and judging it. Now, I want to stress that the myths, deeds of others have taken residence within us. The misdeeds of others have taken residence within us. We have to let the things that have happened to us in our lives become just that. What we tend to do is we have let the things that have happened to us in our lives become who we are rather than seeing them as things that happened. Other people chose to do that, whatever it was. 
if it's a misdeed of others that we have decided is part of us rather than just somebody doing something that they weren't supposed to. Identify those misdeeds, write them down, acknowledge them as the deeds of others. They do not define you. They define someone else. They do not live with us. We have free agency to be ourselves and not what others have tried to define us as. So I want to go into this just a little bit more. The misdeeds of others have taken residence within us. This means we have let the bad deeds that others have done become part of who we are rather than just seeing them as things that happened that other people chose to do. In order to heal those things, one of the steps can be to identify these misdeeds and to write them down and to acknowledge them as the deeds of others, not of you. To acknowledge that they don't define you, they define someone else. They do not live with you. We have free agency to be ourselves. We do not have to be defined by others. How do we find compassion and love and reduce the feelings of self-pity and shame? Well, that's one thing. Identify these misdeeds of others. Write them down. Acknowledge that they are not yours. You don't own them. Wishing to be loved is the motivation behind shame. We wouldn't feel shame if we didn't want to be loved. Because remember, shame is tied to how we perceive other people are perceiving us. Shame is an expression of the human condition to be loved. Forgiveness is one of the cures, but only when you're ready to forgive. And that's a whole nother podcast. I did an early podcast on that. I'm going to do another one on that, but I'll link the early podcast as well. Self-acceptance is another. We struggle to know when we truly have accepted ourselves or are we just saying that we are? Self-acceptance takes hard work. You have to work at seeing the beliefs that do not serve you and tell yourself you don't think that way anymore. Beliefs like, I'm not good enough, I'm stupid, I'm fat, I'm unlovable, and so many more. When you hear your internal voice saying that, stop it. Say to it, no, I don't think that way anymore, and replace it with a compassionate thought such as, I'm still learning, I'm fine just as I am, I'm worthy. It is hard work, but you can do it. Another thing, all of your identities are worthy, even the ones overlooked by others. Your identities that are hidden, that you don't share with everyone, they want to be lived. Embrace all of who you are, the good, the sad, the happy, the mistakes, the love, you know, even the things you struggle with hating. Say to yourself, I'm human, I make mistakes, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm mean, I'm nice, just like everyone is. Accepting that you need love is the first step. Society has trained us to believe that we don't need love, but it's not true. We are biologically predisposed to want to be loved. We are all yearning for love. To survive and thrive, we need to be loved. Being loved is a driving force of everything we experience, everything we do, all the thoughts we feel about ourselves. And if we can't love ourselves, we can't move past shame. What do you do about it? What 
do you love about yourself? Write it down, make a list, read it aloud every day, add new things when new things present themselves. Look in the mirror every day and say, I love you. I know it sounds silly, but do it. It's powerful. I promise you. Write yourself love notes. Like, you know, dear me, you look really good today. That color is your color. Or you could be like, dear me, you handled that question at work really well. I'm proud of you. We can be human and feel shame, but be free from the grip of shame by changing our relationship to it. When we start being kind to ourselves, giving ourselves some things we would give a loved one, love, compassion, forgiveness, sweetness, laughter, the shame story, I suck, I'm bad, starts to be less meaningful. It will play in your head less and less often. So in giving yourself the same things you would give others in the form of compassion, you will dampen that shame story that plays in your head and you'll hear it less often and maybe hardly ever at all over time being mindful of triggers involved in wanting love even self-love wanting to be loved can make us feel vulnerable because we feel like a child to say we want to be loved makes us think about all the times we weren't loved and we wanted to be finding self-compassion heals when you can see these times you weren't loved, and you can look at them with compassion. We can reparent ourselves, as I mentioned earlier. We can say that this was an action of another. It isn't your truth. It's simply an action of another. So if someone ever made you feel unloved or you weren't loved, that was an action of another. It isn't your truth. What does self-compassion for shame look like? Recognize when shame happens. Name it. Oh, say something like, oh, this is shame. Oh, I'm feeling shame right now over this, but I should really just be labeling it. You know, label it as an emotion of some kind. Recognize it when it happens and name it. Oh, this is shame. I'm feeling shame right now. What else could I do besides feel shame right now? Respond to the shame with kindness and compassion. I'm human. I make mistakes. Can I fix this? Can I do something about this? What can I do? Show compassion to others. The echoes of these conversations change how we talk to ourselves and others. If we show compassion to other people, we can use that same language to ourselves. So if you say to somebody else, oh God, don't worry, it's all right. Everyone makes mistakes. This is easily fixable. When you make a mistake, say the same thing to yourself. Take time to do these self-interventions I just listed. Realize you'll have setbacks, but keep moving forward. When things get stressful, take a self-compassion break. Take time for a compassionate self-dialogue. Imagine what you might say to a friend or loved one who's experiencing the same thing and say it to yourself. Do to yourself what you would do to a friend or loved one. Would you buy them dinner or coffee? If so, do that to yourself. Practice how emotions feel by just labeling them when you think about a situation you feel embarrassed about. Think about an embarrassing situation and then say, that makes me feel blank. Or you could say, I felt blank 
when it happened, you know, an embarrassing situation. I felt silly when I tripped and fell walking into the front door of the party. I felt horrified when that happened. And just label it, label it. Don't internalize it, just label it for what it is. Notice how shame feels. And I don't mean in your mind, I'm talking about in your body. Does it, do you feel it in your stomach? Is, do you have numbness? Do you feel hot? Do you feel cold? Do you notice if you feel safe or you feel fearful or you feel like a fight or flight situation? Do you feel stupid? Do you feel worthless, messed up? These are not facts. This are ju- these are just beliefs you have about yourself that you made up. Recognize that these are not truths, just beliefs you have. And the beliefs aren't true and you can change them. Do you ever feel isolated and alone? Shame does that to you. Remember the truth that everyone feels this or something similar and everyone feels shame and embarrassment. It's part of being human. Most people feel this way. It's human. It connects us to others, not separates us from others. You feel a need to be loved, taking the shape of shame or embarrassment. Bring kindness to yourself. Express kindness and put your hand on the spot where you feel the shame. Put your hand on your heart. Hug yourself. Think of the people you feel compassionate about. It could even be a pet. Imagine this person being kind to you. The kindness in their eyes. What words of kindness would you most likely hear? Really feel the need to be loved. And realize that when when you're embarrassed or you feel shame, that's really your desire to be loved showing itself to you. And just recognize it as that and give yourself some kindness. Identify when old memories or thoughts of times when you were wrong or stupid, or you felt rage or fear or despair or shame, then respond to them with positive compassion. What I mean by this is if you have an old memory, say there's something like for a long time, um, I had this memory, something really embarrassing happened to me at this coffee house. And uh, I didn't want to ever go back there because I was so ashamed of what happened. And it was like not even, it was totally like not even anything I consciously did or anything that happened. It was just something that occurred. And for some reason I internalized it and it was my shame or whatever. And every time I thought about it, I just felt the worst shame ever and I felt sick to my stomach. So instead of letting that old memory live in that way in my body, what you would do is recognize it and recognize those like, oh my gosh, yes, I remember being feeling such shame, feeling so embarrassed, feeling unworthy, feeling dumb. Um, And then I give myself compassion. You know, that could happen to really anyone. That was really not even your fault. Like you didn't do anything. You were just there at the time that occurred. It doesn't really have anything to do with you. You know, it's okay. Do that, kind of have that positive self-talk. Replace it with that, replace that critical self-talk you have in your mind with that, with compassionate self-talk. And the last thing I'll say about all this is in my work, I find that the heart can accept what the mind cannot. Well, many of these con- these techniques are conducted in your mind. You cannot truly heal until you let them in your heart. 
Just allow yourself to feel things in your heart for real. Talk about it out loud to yourself. I do it all the time. And just really allow, one day you'll feel it in your heart and then you'll know. And it'll be amazing, amazing. So try these things out. I'll list them all in the description below uh, so you'll have them all bullet pointed out. Um, Let me know how it goes. Know that I love you and know that I support you. I care about you. See you next time.